0: There's only one time recorded where one of the Apostles asked Jesus for specific instruction. Just once. Living, traveling, serving together for for three years with the ultimate life coach. They could have sought guidance for, for many things. But Simon Peter didn't ask, Lord, teach us to walk on water. And Thomas didn't ask, Lord, teach us to have more faith and, and, and not doubt. And John didn't ask, Lord, teach us to control our tempers and, and love more. And instead, this request of Jesus was made by one of his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 reads, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Seeing Jesus in prayer, his disciples decided, I wish I knew how to pray like that. Help us learn how to pray. I agree with Bishop Temple, who said, when I pray, coincidences happen When I don't pray, coincidences don't happen. Many times I've seen those divine coincidences appear in direct response to my prayers. And I'm sure many of you have experienced that same outpouring. Today, we want to learn the lesson of how to pray as Jesus taught. The prayer given in this chapter, where we are today, Matthew chapter 6, is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Most Bible scholars differentiate that the Lord's Prayer was actually the personal prayer that our Lord Jesus prayed, found in John chapter 17, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he was betrayed. More accurately, what appears here in in Matthew chapter 6 is the model prayer, a template, a prayer instruction provided by Jesus at the request of his apostles. His instruction to them still has value and relevance in teaching us how to pray. Let's begin there. In Matthew 6, in verses 5 and 6, where Jesus teaches us to pray sincerely. And the context for Matthew 6 is Jesus is giving his famous Sermon on the Mount, this outdoor hillside teaching time. His apostles had made the request, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's a startling request Because as Jews, the disciples would have all grown up knowing a lot about prayer. They would have had prayer offered throughout the day, offered before meals, at the beginning of the Sabbath, whenever they went to the synagogue. So they weren't just asking what words to say. But the disciples noticed that Jesus looked forward to prayer. He actually hungered for it. They saw that somehow prayer fed Jesus's soul the way food fed their stomachs. They observed a a richly interactive life between Jesus and his father. They noticed that at crisis points, when Jesus was grieving over the death of John the baptizer, when he experienced need, when he was tired, fatigued from ministry, his consistent response was to pray. And they wanted to be nourished by prayer the way Jesus was. So they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus gave this model prayer, not intended as a, a weekly recitation and a worship service, but as a, a pattern, a, a template, a, the key components showing us what's demonstrated a powerful prayer life let's pick up in verse 5 it says when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others that was their motivation it wasn't to connect with God in prayer it was this will look good I hope a lot of people see it so I'll do it in a real public place and hopefully they'll go, wow, he's really spiritual. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. If that's what you're after, he said, you know, that's, that's done. But you, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus began to instruct and, and guide his followers in this odyssey of how to pray. And he began by giving them an example from the negative, what not to do. He, he warned them to avoid hypocrisy and, and to pray sincerely. In other words, don't pray like they do. You know, they're just praying to be seen. Uh, you, if you've grown up in the Cincinnati area, you may remember the, the 21st century example to me that typifies the height of insincerity. It was Buddy of Buddy's Carpet Outlet. Do you remember those commercials? He used to conclude every TV commercial pitch with this statement. I don't care about making money. I just love to sell carpet. Sure, Buddy. Buddy. You're just a man on a mission with an all-consuming passion to dispense a diversity of carpet. I'm sure feeding your family and caring for your employees never entered your mind. It comes back to motivation, and hypocrites love to be seen. They prayed publicly for the praise of their peers. Holy Father! We invoke thy richest blessing, O omnipotent potentate. And people would go, wow, man, what a vocabulary. That guy really is close to God. And that was what they were attempting to project. Don't misunderstand me. Praying publicly is, is good. There's nothing wrong with audibly offering a sincere prayer in a worship service, at work, at a restaurant around the dinner table at home, and there's nothing wrong with praying publicly if it is done humbly and, and sincerely. That was what Jesus was uh, addressing, was that phony insincerity, that attention-grabbing effort on the part of the Pharisees. Verse 6 stresses the value of personal private prayer. When praying alone with God, it provides a more intimate conversation with our Heavenly Father. Just, just think about this cosmic privilege. Wouldn't it be great to have a trusted friend with whom you could share any burden, question, concern, or joy? One who could keep a confidence while well, we already have such a friend. And he invites us to come into his presence sincerely. Be open. Be honest with God in your prayers. Be real. Be transparent. Christian comedian Mark Lowry recommends, if you're angry with God, you might as well go ahead and tell him because he already knows it anyway. He knows it. And yet he loves us. Be honest. When our older son, Jason, was seven, he and I were at a Cincinnati Cyclones professional hockey game, and he noticed there, just seated a few rows in front of us, was one of the current stars of the Cincinnati Reds at that time, Chris Sabo. He said, can I get his autograph, Dad? Can I get it? I said, no, we don't want to bother him during the game. It'd be different if you saw him out in the hall, but I don't think we should go up and disturb him. Later, during the the, the hockey match, that break between the second and third periods of play, Jason announced urgently, I have to go to the bathroom. And so we went to the restroom, and, and then we got in the concession line, and who walked up in the line right behind us but Chris Sabo. Jason whispered, can I get his autograph now? I said, sure. So... Sabo signed the autograph, we talked for a a minute, got our concessions, and then walked back to our seats. And on the way back, Jason looked up and confessed, Dad, I really didn't have to go to the bathroom that bad. I just saw Sabo get up and leave. Now, that's sincere. And as a father, I understand that, and I appreciated him telling me the truth. Mary Brunson was driving her husband's new car and she made a wrong turn and sideswiped another car. And tearfully, she fumbled through the glove compartment looking for the insurance papers. And attached to the insurance papers was a note with her name on it in her husband's handwriting. It said, Dear Mary, when you read these papers, remember it's you I love and not the car. That's expressing love in a sincere manner. Jesus taught his disciples, pray sincerely. We also are taught to pray specifically. At this time, I want to refer you to the slides, and then together, I'd like for us to read through the, uh, the NIV translation there of the model prayer, and for us to, to read and, and, and recite that in, in unison. So... Just follow along with me as that slide becomes apparent. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The Lord's Prayer is an excellent model. It was never intended to be a a magical incantation to get God's attention. Jesus didn't give this prayer as a paragraph to be recited. In fact, he had just warned about using vain repetitions. Instead, he gave us this pattern because it shows the variety of elements that should be included when we pray. And Jesus taught us to pray specifically, to avoid generalities in prayer. I call that general, generality in prayer approach the, the Tiny Tim approach to prayer. You remember in the, the Christmas carol, Charles Dickens, Bob Cratchit's young son, Tiny Tim, and he prayed, God bless us, everyone. Well, that may be all right for a a child who's just beginning to learn to pray, just kind of that shotgun approach, but that's not the best for a mature, growing Christian. We want to move from saying, God, bless all the missionaries, to praying more specifically. Lord, protect Peter and Kathy Ignatius. They are facing persecution in India as they represent you. And Lord, we pray that you would bless their efforts in their Bible college. That's more specific. And Jesus taught us to zero in on specifics and be precise. Listen to verses 7 and 8 here in our text. When you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Verbosity isn't rewarded by God You don't have to have a long, large, flowery prayer It can be very to the point Very direct, very succinct Do not be like them For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him God knows our needs He wants to see if we're aware of our needs And if we're asking Him to help meet our needs And join us where we're struggling Instead of incessant rambling, he desires a direct, specific communication. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, would you help provide food for my table and and help me meet my bills? Holy is your name. That's worship. That's adoration. And I hope that comes up spontaneously. When I see a gorgeous sunset, I say, well done, Lord. Beautiful tonight. What a great sunset. You're a wonderful creator, and I love your creation. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, would you forgive me for my recent sin of, and then fill in the blank. Be specific. Instead of, just forgive all my sins. Lord, forgive me for... Losing my temper the other day with that other person, or for, for lying because I was pressured and didn't want to tell the truth, or for taking your name in vain because that hammer really hurt my finger. You know, wh- whatever it might be, be specific. Please deliver me from evil, or give me an escape from temptation. I don't want to sin, I don't want to stumble, I don't want to fall. Please help me avoid that. Pray specifically. A young woman's husband was missing, so the the woman accompanied by her friend went to the police department to, to fill out a missing person report. And the officer asked the woman for a description of her husband. Well, officer, he's tall and handsome, has thick, wavy, blonde hair, and he's very good to me and the children. Without looking up from his clipboard, the officer's, officer said, All right, ma'am, we'll, we'll get right on it. As the ladies were returning to the car, the woman's friend said, What a liar! Your husband's short, overweight, balding, and he's mean to you and the kids. She said, Yeah, but who wants him back? <laughs> Be specific. The third lesson Jesus taught to, when he was asked to teach us to pray was to pray submissively. Verses 9 through 11, this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. We submit to God. The famous Bible commentator of the 1800s, Matthew Henry, developed an acrostic, A-C-T-S, as a progression of prayer. The A stands for adoration, at Hallowed be thy name. It's coming into God's presence with praise. The C is, is for confession. Again, getting clean before God, before we ask him of something. We, we need to confess our sin. The T is, is for thanksgiving, coming with that spirit of, of, of gratitude. And then the S is asking him to supply what we're needing. So I, I think there's a progression in, in that priority and in that prayer Uh, That prayer model from Matthew Henry. Adoration comes first, followed by confession, then thanksgiving, and then finally supplication. Asking God to supply our needs. I think sometimes we can be guilty of rushing to the S for supply and, and asking God to supply without spending sufficient time adoring Him. Confessing our sin pausing to say thank you for what he has already done for us. And like ungrateful children, we can be always wanting more. Prayer isn't so much about getting our will done before God as it is getting God's will done on earth. And there's a big difference. We would be wise to do less prescribing and more subscribing To the will of God. Christian singer Larry Bryant wrote and sang a song about prayer. He entitled it Shopping List. Lord, I need to talk to you. There's so much on my mind. So many burdens make it hard to know just, I'm sorry, there's so much on my heart. So many burdens make it hard to know just where to start. Thank you for your family, your mercy, and your love. Now, on to more important things. I'll give my magic lamp a rub. Give me this, I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Make me wealthy, keep me healthy, fill in what I missed on my never-ending shopping list. Second stands, Lord, you've been so good to me. How could I ask for more? But since you said to ask, I will, because what else is prayer for? the cattle on a thousand hills, they all belong to you. I don't need any cows right now, but something else might do. Give me this. I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Keep me wealthy. Make me healthy. Fill in what I missed on my never ending shopping list. I want a nice white smile on a perfect face and Perfect hair that stays in place. I want a smaller nose and a single chin and a figure like a perfect 10 and a mom that never yells or screams and hips that fit in designer jeans and a tennis court and a heated pool. I could use them, Lord, as a witnessing tool. And a colored TV and a VCR and and Jesus plates on a brand new car. Give me this. I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Make me wealthy, keep me healthy, fill in what I missed on my never-ending shopping list. Do our prayers ever sound like that? Prayer is much more than simply asking God for things. Pray submissively. Verse 11 teaches us to rely on his provision. We have a daily dependence on God. Give us today our daily bread. God will supply our needs, not necessarily our greeds. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There were three guys marooned on a desert island, and they found a genie's lamp in the sand by the shoreline. And they gave it a a rub and out-materialized this genie who promised I will grant three wishes. There are three of you. I will grant each of you one wish. So the the first guy said, okay, well, that's great. He said, I I, I wish I were back home with my family. Your wish is my command. Poof. The second man said, "I, I wish I were back home and had my old job back. Your wish is my command. Poof. The third guy said, I'd like to give this some thought and get back to you. Fine, responded the genie. So the third guy was walking along the beach, struggling to decide on his wish. When he said aloud, boy, I wish those guys were back here to help me decide. (laughs) Poof. But we need to always remember that God is not a genie in a lamp poised to do our bidding. We dare not presume to dictate to God. We seek his will. We invite his involvement. And we request that it would be accomplished. Here in the model prayer, verse 10, Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus teaches us to pray submissively. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, just hours before his death on the cross. And Jesus prayed submissively, Lord, if there's any way that we can avoid this, I I can see what's coming. Any way this cup could pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God's will and our wishes are not always the same. We don't always get the response that we desire immediately when we pray. God says no if the request is wrong. God says slow if the timing is wrong. God says grow if we are wrong and sin in our lives is stifling our requests. And God says go if the request is right, the timing is right, and we are right. So let's review. The model prayer that Jesus gave us teaches us to pray sincerely, to pray specifically, to pray submissively, and then finally to pray sensitively, verses 12 and 13. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. From the evil one. Confessing personal sin, forgiving those who have wronged us, seeking strength to avoid yielding to temptation. Sometimes we don't truly want the strength to resist temptation, do we? In the fifth century, Augustine said, I used to pray, Lord, give me chastity and purity only. Not yet, for I wished to have my desires satisfied rather than extinguished. Have you ever prayed like that? Lord, I want to mean business for you, only not yet. Lord, I want to live a, a pure life, only not yet. Lord, I want to surrender all my habits to you, only not yet. Lord, I want to be more committed to living for you, only not yet. I've got my wild oats to sow. Just remember, you'll have to reap that crop too. Instead, we are to pray asking for God's deliverance from sin's appeal. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That 13th verse of Matthew 6 reminds me of another 13th verse of, uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. First Corinthians 10:13 is a promise that we will not be tempted beyond what we can withstand. And yet frequently, we all stumble and fall into temptation, and perhaps we need to spend more time praying specifically seeking God's deliverance from temptation. We all want the power of prayer to be prominent in our lives. And I I want to close with a a true story that details that power of prayer that is available to each of us. Earl Feathers, a a Church of Christ elder in Tennessee, related a, a story about his daughter Sandy and her husband Joe, which appeared in Guidepost magazine. His daughter and son-in-law were sailing just off the coast of Florida when they hit a sandbar which severely damaged the the rudder of their 16-foot sailboat. While they were trying to repair it, the, the wind snapped the mast and they began to drift helplessly out into the ocean. They drifted all night long and when morning came, They could not see anything but miles of water and they knew they were in serious trouble. All they had in the boat was a 16-ounce bottle of water and their little pet dog was with them. They began to pray, but two days went by and they continued to drift and they realized their chance of being found was, was very slim. The husband just gave up and lay down in the boat. The wife looked down at the little dog who still looked up at her trustingly. She said, Lord, I I know you want me to trust you just like that. I, I am trusting you to rescue us. Lord, bring it to pass. Shortly after, she looked on the horizon and she saw a faint cross that seemed to be coming closer. And she awakened her husband thinking it might be a mirage. But no, definitely Something was coming closer, but it was not a cross. It was the mast of a ship, a large yacht. They thought, if only we can get the attention of the yacht. And then they realized that not only was it coming close enough, but it was coming right at them. and looked like it was going to bisect their boat. A little boy on the ship saw them and raced and got his father and the, the yacht pulled up beside them and they were rescued. The amazing thing was the, the captain of the boat said at the time, we've been on autopilot for the last half hour and we're 16 miles off course. He said nothing like that has ever happened before. Now, you may say that's a coincidence, But I agree with Bishop Temple. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, coincidences don't happen. God answers prayer, often dramatically. That is the power of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray so that your power can be unleashed in our church. Would you stand right now as we sing?